Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. Second to last episode ever. How are you feeling? I'm very emotional. It's not that I didn't expect to be, but as I was watching this, I really found myself kind of mourning the loss and then simultaneously telling myself that we still have the Angie reunion special. We still have some sort of a Hulu thing, but it doesn't really soften the blow because the magic of keeping up just can't exist elsewhere. It just feels, first of all, like so much of our lives have been spent watching the show, talking about the show, discussing the show, analyzing the show, and now it's just over? I know. And I also think that what's happening is we are picking up on their energy because, of course, we all can consciously recognize that they're not going anywhere. It's a reality show. We still see their lives on social media. But they kind of have this energy where I feel they're trying to tell themselves that that's the case as well. So I think it's just the collective mourning or just processing of what's going on. Yeah, it's funny because we've been talking about obviously that last day of school energy where it's like you kind of just say fuck it and do whatever. And that was more in reference to them, you know, using confessionals over again and kind of tearing down completely that fourth wall in terms of letting us know their scheduling and how they film the show and when they film the show. But there's also that other kind of last day of school energy where it's now going into like the sentimental aspect of it. That's very much how I felt watching this episode, especially with it being titled The End Part One. I was like, wow, this is this is really it. It really is. It was kind of like the graduation by vitamin C was playing softly in the background. I heard that. And I have to tell you, as somebody who has been accused a time or two of getting too emotionally invested in a TV show. I think I have it very much in my head that the ending of Keeping Up with is the same as any show ending where like once it's over, like you, that's all you get. There's no more story to be told. Obviously here that isn't the case. We're getting something with Hulu. 
they will continue to live their lives. But for some reason, when I'm watching it, I can't get it out of my head that this is just like the end. Yeah. And I also think, honestly, you know, aside from like how much you said that we have analyzed and talked about it and things like that, on a really basic level, even to somebody who's not necessarily a fan, they can acknowledge that it did have such an imprint on pop culture. And yes, of course, new content will make new references, but I guess it's just there are so many pop culture references and memes that stemmed from this. And so I don't know, it's always sad when that comes to an end. It's funny. There's one part where Kendall says, you know, obviously I remember life without the show. And I was like, really? You do? Because I don't. (laughs) I know. I think she barely does. Barely. Because I have like very few memories before that age and we're the same age, basically. (laughs) Also, we kind of got some Kim Connie insight here. I guess I should say more than I was anticipating to. Definitely more than I was anticipating. We'll talk about this as we get into those scenes, but I just want to say one statement, which was kind of my overwhelming feeling or takeaway. Kim was maybe the most on edge we have seen her as of late. I think I haven't seen her like this. I don't even want to say the robbery because I don't think that's fair. I think that was just like general anxiety and PTSD. I haven't seen her react like this or be on edge like this probably since Chris Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very reminiscent. We'll get into that. I don't want to spoil it, but wow. Okay, so we start out just Kim's house. She's really just giving us the update on COVID. Nothing too much to report here other than we see a glimpse into her bedroom, which we all love. Okay, moving on to the first real scene. It's Corey, Chris, Courtney, Chloe, and Kim. And they're kind of just talking about the last week of filming. And Chloe makes a good point that because there are so many other things going on with COVID and with Tristan and just life in general, she doesn't feel like she's that present. And so she keeps telling herself, it's fine. I'll just be more present next season. And then having to remind herself that that isn't an option. And I thought hearing her kind of reflect on that helped to put myself into maybe their shoes a little. Yeah, definitely. I so agree. It was also funny that when she said that, Courtney's initial response was like, oh, so it's a blessing. And Chloe was like, no, not at all where I was going with that. And it was funny that Courtney even thought of that in the first place because if the roles were reversed and Courtney felt so overwhelmed with her personal life and things that she had going on on top of filming the show, she would never have that opinion. Right. I think what she meant in her head, it came out really poorly, but I think that what she meant was just, oh, well, maybe that's kind of distracting you from the sadness that you would be feeling, you know? Right. That makes sense. Anyway, so this is when Chris proposes a trip, which we all knew was going to happen. And I would love to know the deal that is going on behind the scenes with VRBO because Courtney had that pulled up real quick and we got a full zoom in on the app. And did you notice it said $0 per night? Like it didn't give a price listing? Yeah, of course. (laughs) And of course, I'm wondering, you know, how Airbnb lost out on that one. I would love to know what was going on behind the scenes there. If anybody works for VRBO and has some insight, that's just something I'm always curious about. If I'm Airbnb, I'm sitting there with my jaw fucking dropped. I know. You know, that's the house of the house I've stayed at in Beverly Hills. It's going to be tonight's episode, actually. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a really nice house. I mean, it's huge. Oh, massive. I mean, it looked insane. I thought it was so funny that when Courtney's explaining kind of like the extravagance of the house and selling it to them, she's like, it's 17,000 square feet. Kim's like, yeah, hold my beer. You know, <laughs> it is a massive house, though. Also, I noticed that when Courtney's pulling up the house, she's saying like, "Oh, I have a friend, and he stayed there." I was like, oh, 
I would do anything to know if Travis was the one that told her about that house. Very possible. I'm sure we could have found that out if we looked more into it. I stalked a little bit, obviously, and I didn't see any Lake Tahoe pictures on their social media, but I could have missed one. Like it could have been there and I wasn't paying that close of attention, but it could have definitely been him. Yeah. Why else would she have said my friend? Right. Although on the other hand, they all know Travis. She could have said Travis. Yes. But if something was actually starting with them, which I feel like we have been speculating or wondering, or if even feelings were starting to arise or even the thought of it, maybe she wouldn't want to bring that into the equation. Right. I don't know. Well, I don't want to mention his name to even hear anybody else react to that name. That's what I'm saying. Like she yeah. didn't want to bring that into the orbit of the show this early. Right. So the next scene is Courtney, Scott, and Chloe. And really just the reason for this scene is because they're introducing this idea of the time capsule, which yes, was a complete filler plot line. Although I didn't mind it because I wanted to see what they would pinpoint as sentimental objects to put in there. That's the only reason I, I kind of liked witnessing this. Oh, I was so on board with the time capsule idea. I think I always just like, I think I really thrive in a show when they capture on that nostalgia and that sentiment, especially them. So for them to go through everything that they personally felt was important and reminiscent of the show, I felt like was so fitting for this episode. It was. That's what I'm saying. It made total sense. It didn't come out of left field. Like I got it. Yeah. And also it's not like they spent so much time on this. Like it's not like the whole episode was them looking for little trinkets to put in this. It was like, here's the idea. And it's just going to be on top of all the things that we're already doing. Right. So next scene, we're at Courtney's house. And this is when her and Chris are looking at old photos. And, you know, obviously the meat of this conversation was about her and Scott, which we'll talk about in a second. But I thought it was definitely a kind of stylistic and production decision to have them also look at the photos of Kim and Kanye's wedding. And it kind of just leads us in really beautifully to the rest of this episode because Chris is reflecting on that time and you hear her repeatedly say, you know, it was such a happy time. It was such a happy time, you know, with the exception of watching you become a mother so many times, that was one of the happiest times. And it was such a juxtaposition, you know, between that and then what we're seeing with Kim in real life. Yeah, that was incredibly purposeful. I also think that with Chris specifically, she had a very close relationship with Kanye, especially in the beginning, probably not as much towards the end of their marriage. But I'm sure that that has an effect on her as well, not just for Kim. Like, I'm sure she's upset about losing Kanye in a sense in the way that she has. So she was just reflecting on that. Also, Chris is so funny because instead of saying like, seeing you become a mother, she literally was like, other than watching you give birth all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they're talking about her and Scott, the only thing I want to mention first when she shows that picture is in the moment, Courtney's like, oh, I should definitely post this. And she just posts it. Do you remember when we saw that on, I don't remember if it was her story or her grid, we were thinking to ourselves, you know, oh my God, what's going on behind the scenes here? And then we actually watched it in real time and it was like the most thoughtless decision. It, I remember it so vividly. It was her story. And then I believe it was a couple of days later that she Instagrammed her and Scott biking together on their trip. I believe it was when they went away for Kim's birthday. And I think that was very specifically the time where we were all like, oh my God, this is happening. Like that's when we were like, oh my God, they are a hundred percent together. I can't believe it. And then very soon after that is when you got the Scott and Amelia news. And very soon after that was when you got the Courtney and Travis. So with that one little period where she had posted that story, 
fed into like this conspiracy theory that we had already been having. Right. And so I think that moments like this really bring us, and by us, I mean like all of us, down to reality. It's really important that those moments exist because you can spin this whole story in your head when you see a post that makes you think the narrative you want to believe is actually happening. But by the way, we weren't totally off because there were conversations happening behind the scenes with the two of them about getting back together potentially. No, I know. But we, I think, or at least I think if I'm speaking for myself, because Courtney was the one that posted it, I think that I felt like, oh God, she's trying to tell us something. And in reality, that actually wasn't the case. If anything, she was just one, doing it to do it, or two, doing it to give Scott a little something. Right, exactly. But anyway, this is when Chris says to her, you know, there's nothing I would love more than to see you live your life and grow old with someone and be happy and content and peaceful. And it would always be so fabulous if it was the dad of your children, you know? And they kind of go back and forth about that being the dream and how, you know, Chris thinks Scott's the person. And Courtney responds and basically says, he's a talker. And you see her in her confessional say that, you know, for a a couple of years, the whole family just loves to bring up her and Scott. And she says, and I quote, it's frustrating because Scott and I have had our own private talks, but sometimes I just don't care to have it be such a conversation all the time. So I'll kind of brush it off in a nice way. And what she says back to Chris is basically that she feels like both of them haven't given themselves enough time to just not be with someone else. What was so telling about that point and that conversation was when Chris does say, you know, and how great would it be for it to be the father of your children? And Courtney says, wouldn't that be the dream? And what you're watching go down, which I find to be so interesting and definitely not a dynamic that we're used to, is almost like both of them are trying to make it work, but neither of them are able to make it work. And they're both kind of blaming the other person. And you want to shake them and be like, there's there's got to be some common ground here if you're both saying that it's the other person's fault and you're both want that outcome in the end. So obviously to watch Courtney have these feelings of being like, yeah, that is the dream. Like us being together would be the dream. Being together with the father of, you know, my kids would be the dream. And knowing where she is now, it's like, you're still not sure what the disconnect between the two of them was. Yes. Because a few things, first of all, we keep hearing about these quote private talks and we keep not getting any insight, which I very much understand and respect because clearly if neither of them are willing to say it, it must be something very personal. And I don't know if it's related to, you know, drugs or drinking or whatever the thing is. And that's their prerogative to not tell. I think he doesn't want it to be shared and she probably out of respect for him and their relationship isn't like, so it's, I get it. That's fine. But it's hard to have insight when you don't know that. But second of all, you're, yeah, just to hear her even refer to that idea as a quote dream, even if it was said kind of colloquially, really like took me back for a second. Same, because I didn't expect her to respond like that, especially because, and she says this uh, in her confessional where she's like, you know, so many people always say it to me, the whole family is constantly saying it to me and I just brush it off. Typically, a comment like that from Chris would have been brushed off, not met with, yeah, I agree with you and that is what I want. Even if it's said like, you know, hypothetically in a scenario where a mother and a father can be together and have their kids, that's the dream. Like I understand that that could have been how she was said. Even if it's like that, there's still a lack of brushing off there. Right. Oh my God, wait. Sorry, I keep this in. I guess Dumas posted a thing that said, message this couple just bought a new vacay home for their blended family in the same neighborhood as her mother and sister's. 
three people descended to us, that's 100% what the Palm Springs house is. And maybe they oh. did buy it together. Remember we were saying on Monday's episode that like our thought is that 100% Courtney bought a Palm Springs house because of that um, card from Kim? Yeah, 100%. We knew it was. It's so interesting that it was a joint decision. I mean- But I'm not surprised. Who Listen, who knows if that's the truth, but isn't that interesting? Very, very extremely interesting. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Holy fuck, Julie, they're going to get married. I think they will. No, like a comment recently where, you know, Travis commented on Courtney, love you, and she wrote forever. And I was like, forever is a long time. Forever is a really long time. (laughs) That's going to be my wedding vows, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is so funny. Write that down. That's that's me and Julie's entire friendship. She says something, and I'm or one of well, actually any of the three of us says something, and I just go write that down. We want that late for later. <laughs> you saw the lists I keep of my notes on my phone. You would actually cry laughing. <laughs> it's the randomest shit too. So random. But I just want to go back to our conversation before we switch scenes, and to say that I also think, like, take everything else aside, because I do think there's a lot of truth to what our point about how like clearly that was indicative of maybe a feeling of hers that we weren't totally aware of. I don't think it can be ignored the fact that this was a one-on-one conversation with just Chris because you see that Courtney gets understandably a lot more defensive when the entire family at once is saying it and kind of making her feel as though she's at fault. Whereas the way that Chris was doing it, she approached it in such a maternal, non-forceful way and it was just the one-on-one. So I do think that that potentially lended to her reaction being that. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I think so too. I think Chris definitely made that an environment where she was just saying like, this is what I want for you rather than this is what Scott wants or this is what Scott's saying, which is such a different conversation. Completely. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So next scene with Kim and Scott, let me tell you something. I did not think that Kim's archive was in her house. I didn't either, but I guess I was like, I don't know where else it would be. I had envisioned it either in one of her big offices or on like a completely offsite property. I know that may sound really stupid, but I literally envisioned like a giant 
storage property that was very industrial and was, you know, organized meticulously. And this was organized meticulously. I just didn't realize that it was in her home. Not to be dramatic, but shouldn't it be in a vault? Like, yeah. Well, who knows that it it's not? Who knows what the door system is like there? I know, but I mean like at a bank that's like underground and then you go into the back and it's a movie <laughs> and it's the, like, okay, you know where Kim's stuff should be? Uh, in, the, in the fucking thing, the bunker. No, not oh. the bunker. Fuck the bunker. Never bring up the bunker again. <laughs> where Kim should be is in the thing they have in the pacifier where you have to do the whole song and move and dance moves to get to it in the first place. Do you want to tell her? Yes. I have so many things I want to tell her. There is an endless list of things that I want to tell her. And the number one first one is going to be, we just want you to know it would have been so much worse received if you didn't freak out about the $75,000 diamond earring. <laughs> I, when I say it, the first thing I'm saying to her when I see her. It's so important. It, M, you know how I feel. Wait, by the way, guys, we're not seeing her. I, I think that just made it seem like we were. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like obviously <laughs> well, no, we, we will one day but th- this conversation is not rooted in reality it's just me and julie fantasizing for a second okay anyway they're in this archive which again reason enough that i'm happy about the whole time capsule plot line is because we got to see the archive and she's kind of going through it in the way that it's organized with those photos and you just see things so clearly and i think even scott was kind of blown away as to the level that she really prioritizes memorializing these I was going to say sacred moments, but some of them weren't so sacred. Some of them were just moments in time that she wants to be able to relive. It is literally every outfit she's worn. Yeah. I know, you know, a lot of people would probably look at this as a very narcissistic thing and like, okay, it is, but also she wants to do it. And I actually think it's really cool and cool for her kids. And especially, you know, North is so interested in fashion. I think that she would appreciate that. I agree to an extent that there is an element of narcissism there. But when you consider the fact that, A, she has kids, I think that automatically gets to be removed because you're saving something for your kids. But also, like, these things are so special to her that it almost doesn't matter how it comes across because they're – it's not like she's saving them and she's saying, like, okay, and when the Smithsonian calls, we'll have these racks ready to be sent over. Like, that's not her purpose in all of this. Like, all of these outfits symbolize such an important part of her life. And all of these outfits are so iconic and special to her on, like, a personal nostalgic level that it makes sense that she would keep everything. And one day her kids are going to fucking lose it. And by the way, they're all designer. Like, they're all, like, valuable pieces of clothing. Oh, yeah. I personally don't judge it at all. I just always anticipate criticism that she will get just because I think that that's how my mind works. But yeah, it's not like she's putting this up as an exhibit, which by the way, if she did, people would probably go. But the fact that it's an internal thing in her home actually makes it a lot more intimate and a lot less like solely egotistical, I guess. Right. So the next scene, we're at the Palm Springs house. It's Corey, Chris, and Tristan, and Chloe's outside. And this is just when they're talking about Tristan's next move since he's now a free agent. We find out later on that he goes to Boston, but you just see that Chris really wants him in LA. And she's talking about, you know, the Clippers or the Lakers. And she kind of makes a comment, something to the effect of like, I got to make a deal with the NBA or I have to be in talks with someone at the NBA. And Chloe kind of has this moment of like, what? And it was such a joke, obviously, but in that moment... I was thinking that for probably 95% of 
things that go on in their lives. Chris can say that and then it can be done, but this is something she legitimately has zero control over. And I think her lack of control over breeding more happiness for Chloe, aka one of her kids, was like on full display. I know that makes it a little bit deeper than it was, but I couldn't help but think that. Yeah, no, I so know what you meant. Also, just the sheer fact that Chris is so used to being able to just call anybody up and accomplish what she needs. And this was just so out of any realm of possibility for her or anything that she's even remotely familiar with. It's not like it's not like she can call and like strike a deal on behalf of Tristan. Like she's not a sports agent. This is not her world. So I think just that lack of control also was unfamiliar for her. Yeah. Anyone know something? It was kind of nice to see it humbles her. <laughs> I thought so too. I actually find it funny that anytime they talk about I feel like sports or basketball or the NBA specifically, it humbles them a little because it's like, it's like, oh, the Lakers, like we have to get them on the Lakers. I'm like, you guys are the Kardashians. Like, fuck the Lakers. <laughs> it's so funny. Or when they're talking about uh, LeBron and they're, they were asking his age and I think Tristan says 36 and Chris is trying to do the math in her head about how many more years he has to play. I was just like, it's so funny hearing Chris talk about LeBron. <laughs> I know. Also, Chloe was like, he's 36. I was like, he's 36. I know he's 36. I know. I was like, Julie, she knew that real quick, maybe quicker than you. Said it at the same time, I have to imagine. So next scene, they're on the plane flying to Tahoe. And this is when we find out that Chloe and Chris are in the middle of this huge lawsuit with the contractor who basically took the deed. And when she was explaining it, I was thinking to myself, like, how did we not know this sooner? This seems like a huge issue that was going on. Well, now it makes sense because in the last episode or two episodes ago when they were first showing us the house, Chloe was saying like, oh, I really want to be in here by April. And we know for a fact, based on Chloe's Instagram stories from a few days ago, that she's not even close to being able to move in. So now that time lapse of like how there was such a discrepancy between plans, move-in date and actual renovation dates and actual move-in dates, why there was so much space in between those. Yeah. And we'll talk about their conversation with the lawyer later on when we get to that scene. But going off of our previous conversation regarding Tristan's switch, this was also a moment for me where I was thinking, I kind of can't believe this happened. Like in my mind, these types of things don't happen to Kris Jenner. (laughs) I know. Well, it was also interesting because Chloe brings up the fact that they did a background check and the background check did not come back completely kosher. And Chloe said that she didn't feel comfortable moving forward with it. And Chris was the one that wanted to move forward. So that was also was like, I can't imagine a scenario in which they run a background check. It's not absolutely up to their standards and they decide to go through with it anyway. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're missing some key parts here, I would imagine, but it just feels a little bit bold to try to fuck over Kris Jenner in this type of a way, because I just do not foresee you winning. No. Next scene, they get to the house Courtney, Scott, and Kylie were meeting them, although Kylie never showed this episode. Do you think she's going to come next week? No. I know. Me too. I'm so over it. (laughs) I know. This was funny when Kim kind of freaks out about those cookies because she was genuinely upset, and you saw Chloe in her confessional kind of explain to the audience what was going on, where it wasn't about the cookies, but goddamn, you would have thought it was. She was pissed. She was pissed. But you could tell it just wasn't about that because she came in heated And just, it was like the first thing that she could be mad at, that she could reasonably let her frustrations out on, she fully did. And you could just tell, you were like, this is not about cookies. So this is when, you know, Kim is sitting on the couch, Chloe comes out, asks her about Kanye, and 
Kim says, you know, there's no fighting. It's all calm. So I just roll with it. And Chloe's saying in her confessional about how before they left for this trip, Kim and Connie had this really big fight. And this is when we get the flashback footage, which I was really surprised and really happy that we got. Although I was thinking to myself, oh my God, they had this on camera and we could have gotten the whole scene. You know, clearly they decided to give us something, but how much would you have loved to see that entire interaction? More than anything, I had that exact same thought. I was like, you have this all. And and by the way, like I'm not complaining because this is more than I thought we were going to get. And it was a clearly very intimate, raw look at what was happening. But goddamn, I was like, just give me all of that footage. I see you wrote this down, so I'm going to read it verbatim because I think it's important. So this is in the footage when she's crying to her sister. She says, I honestly can't do this anymore. Why am I still in this place where I'm stuck for years? Like he goes and moves to a different state every year. I have to be together so I can raise the kids. He's an amazing dad. He's done an amazing job. And Courtney says, but he still will be. He'll be better without you there. And Kim says, I think he deserves someone who can go support his every move and go follow him all over the places and move to Wyoming. I can't do that. He should have a wife that supports his every move and travels with him and does everything. And I can't. I feel like a fucking failure that it's a third fucking marriage. I feel like a fucking loser, but I can't even think about that. I just want to be happy. That's intense. It was so intense. And honestly, this was the most insight we have ever gotten because think about it like this. Think about how many times we have seen headlines and different articles that said, you know, living separate lives as Kanye spends most of his time in Wyoming, pre-divorce rumors, by the way, right? or pre pre solidification of divorce rumors. And we always thought, you know, wow, that's just kind of their arrangement. It seems kind of bizarre, but that's just how it works. And to find out that Kim is struggling so deeply and she herself recognizes how not conventional and how actually not suited she is for this lifestyle is, it was just, I was honestly blown away that we got this really, I really was out of anything this episode. I was too. And especially coming off last episode where you see Kanye for the first time in a really long time on the show. And obviously you can't get that much of an insight from that one scene, but things did seem okay for the time being there to then show this and her being really on edge and really upset and crying and already talking as if the marriage is over was a really crazy, you know, leap from what we saw last week. Obviously it wasn't like everything was perfect last week, but I don't think we really realized that at this point, which is like November, 2020 around or October, 2020, she had kind of already made up her mind about the divorce. It's not like she's saying here, I can't do this anymore. I need to talk to him and work this out. I want to make this work or I can't do this anymore. I need to figure out a better way. It's like, I can't do this anymore. And I've made up my mind that this is now going to be my third divorce. And I've already accepted that. Right. Because I think she knows that the hardest battle in any of this would be trying to change him. That's not going to happen. And she's not changing what she knows fundamentally she disagrees with. And so coming to terms with that, yeah, I can imagine how difficult that is. And second of all, we don't have to get into this conversation now because it kind of takes away from the show and it's different. But obviously we're only getting this from Kim's perspective. So we don't know what Kanye is thinking. But something that this really made me think of is in our episode on Monday, when we were talking about the rumors with him and Irina, just throwing her name out because that was a rumor. And we were kind of saying, you know, we've been spending so much time thinking about who Kim would date that we haven't thought about Kanye. And what the scene really made me think about, and I don't know if you guys felt this way, is like, as much as I know in Kanye's mind, he wants to be this power couple and with somebody who is as successful and as famous as him, 
I don't know if he's actually cut out for that because I think that he needs somebody that really doesn't have that much going on in their life and can completely devote all of their time and put aside their commitments to really live with him and do life in a little bit of an unconventional way in terms of moving and where they're living. And I, you know, I don't know if you felt that way, but that's kind of what I was getting at. No, I so get what you mean. And going off of that, as you were saying that, I was thinking that's the reason why we hadn't had that discussion about who Kanye is going to date next prior to Irina coming up into conversation because nobody wants that. Like, I'm sure that he can find somebody that could put up with it in a way that Kim did, but that's no one's ideal lifestyle, just having to go with what their husband wants and having to be there when he changes his mind and wants to move to a new location on a whim. And that's a lot to ask of anybody. And I think there was a period of time and probably before they had kids where that was maybe an ideal lifestyle for Kim where she was like, oh my God, I'm dating Kanye West. We're going to be on the road together and he's going to take me to Paris and Rome and we're going to constantly be traveling and doing all these amazing extravagant things. And I think for Kim in her mind, what she pictured as like a quote power couple and what it would be like to date someone like Kanye, that was so ideal for her. But Kim obviously grew up and she has kids and they have kids together. And it's not that that became less idyllic, although it obviously did, it just became entirely illogical for Kim. And to have somebody that you're married to not be able to say like, okay, this is illogical. We have to change the way we're doing if we're going to make this work. It was obviously going to be doomed. And Kim realizing that I think was a huge portion of this because I think for a while, Kim was like, okay, well, I can't do that, but I'll let him do it. And then she's clearly hit a point where she's like, who the hell is this fair to? Right. And she said in the previous friend, the next episode, something like, you know, I've come this far to not come this far, something kind of like that. You know, like she has really built it up for herself that she doesn't need to be just making it work with her husband. She wants the marriage that she signed up for and that she really wanted. And so she doesn't need to just be keeping the coast smooth and kind of clear. You know, she wants that deep love story and that time spent together. And I just, Everything you were saying, I, I'm so in agreement with. And I also think that like the idea that she maybe initially had when she was dating, quote, Kanye West, very quickly fades when now all of those same opportunities are afforded to her based on her own level of stardom. Yes, exactly. And Chloe in her confessional is just saying that, you know, Kim is incredible. She tries to protect their union at all costs, but it's hard when you carry that responsibility on your shoulders. And I just want her to take care of herself too. And when Chloe says to her, you know, you can always talk to me about it, Kim responds, there's honestly nothing to talk about. I mean, I won't live with the fighting and stuff. I mean, if it was constant. So again, to me, that was kind of her saying, you know, it's smooth sailing at the moment. So let's just let it sit. But she's not down for this pretty much is what is is what we're getting at here. And nor should she have to be. And I think that for a period of time, her idea of like, okay, well, we're not fighting and therefore I can live with that was enough for her because she kind of felt like she had everything she needed. Like she had the fame, she has her kids, she has her businesses, she has law school now. And I think for her, if it was like, okay, if my marriage isn't hundred percent perfect, like, okay, that's just one thing. Everything else has kind of fallen into place and everything else is so great that like, I can let this one thing kind of not be so perfect as I thought it was going to be. And she's clearly just gotten to a point where she's like, this is illogical. Like, I can't put all of my 
ideas that I have for saving a marriage for the sake of saving a marriage into this if it's just not working anymore. Because I think a lot of times people think like, okay, well, if we're not fighting, everything's okay. Sometimes it's like, if we're fighting, it's because we care enough to fight. Oh, of course. I mean, that's why I felt in this particular scene, it was like the calm after the storm and she was just taking in that calmness because at the end of the day, she would always rather have that than the intense fighting. But then you're right. It was just that realization of like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want this to have to be my reality. And I really think admitting that to yourself is one of the hardest things because aside from feeling like how she said she feels like a failure based on the three quote failed marriages, which makes me sad that she feels that way. I think also, you know, especially for somebody like him, you want to know that you gave everything you possibly could. And I think it's normal to have that voice that questions yourself. Like, did I do everything? Could I fight a little bit harder? And oftentimes we don't give ourselves the grace that we would give to, let's say our sister or our friend who was struggling in that same way. Right. And something we also know about Kim is that she really thrives on proving people wrong. Her entire career model is basically like, you told me I couldn't do this. Everyone told me I couldn't do this and watch what I did. And I think a lot of that applied to her relationship with Kanye for a while. Like everybody said, it's not going to last. He's just dating a reality star and like, look what I did. And I think that it felt like more of a personal failure than a relationship failure for her. Yes. I very much think that that was present. I, You know, to be honest, I think she maybe wishes that wasn't so present in her mind at times because even though it really is her superpower and it is her strength and it's something that has propelled her forward, I think, I can imagine that at the same time, it may feel a little bit kind of debilitating because it's like a constant competition within yourself. And we already know she's a competitive person. Of course. And the last thing that I will say about her desire to make it work, I think the kids element of it just obviously cannot be counted out where it's just a very natural thing as parents to want to make your marriage work for the sake of your kids, even if, you know, there's the possibility that they will be happier with you guys separate because you guys will individually be happier or better, stronger parents doing it separately or co-parenting rather than being married. There's always that desire, I think, to want to make it work for the sake of the kids. Yes, of course. You're right. That's that as an element that has to be mentioned. But I do think Courtney kind of made a good point. I don't know if her delivery was best in saying like, look at Scott, basically. She didn't say that, but that's basically what she said without saying it. You know, He can still continue to be that amazing father. And I think she wanted to just remind Kim of that. Absolutely. Yes. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. 
it really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Before they go ice skating, I just wanted to touch on the scene of Chris talking to the attorney because this was Chris Jenner in action. This is what all the memes are about. This is what we all talk about and kind of ideate on in our minds as to what she's like in business. And this take no shit attitude, aka like you tried to fuck with me and now I will bury you was so present. And you saw Chloe watching kind of in awe as were all of us, I think about how like you can do a lot of things. Don't fuck with my money and don't fuck with my family and specifically don't fuck with my house. And it it was just all three on full display. I could watch an entire episode just this. Me too. You are so right. When Courtney and Scott arrive and Scott's basically saying in his confessional, you know, Courtney and I, we love each other. We trust each other. We have kids together. And he's saying like, when we're on vacation together and we sleep in different bedrooms, it feels like it takes more energy for us to not be together than it would to be together. So it's a weird situation, I think, for both of us. I mean, it's like crazy. Even though I'm so on board with the Courtney Travis stuff and like I've kind of gotten over it, when I see them in this Tahoe house, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, like can't you guys guys just sleep together? That makes sense. I, me too. I don't understand how two people are so on the same page and so completely on different pages at the same time. I know. And I don't understand. I know you're talking about, wait, are you talking about them or us? No, them. What about us? What different pages are we on? <laughs> I thought you meant that you can keep this in. I thought you meant for a split second because I, I was like, is she talking about Courtney and Scott or are you talking about you and me being so on board for her and Travis and then also being like, holy fuck, can't you guys just sleep together? Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I I get what you mean. But like, the okay. The Courtney and <laughs> Travis thing is kind of separate because it's like all I want is for Courtney to be happy and she seems so happy and in love and I could not be happier for her. I just personally like want those exact feelings that she has for Travis, which again, I love them together because I love the way she is and how happy she seems and how in love she seems. I just want that to be Scott sometimes or all the time or every second of every day. (laughs) Same. Same. Oh, it's really, it's really an emotional roller coaster. You go on being this devoted, I guess. It, yes, it is. It. See, you're not a TV watcher, so I guess this is kind of new for you. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. I'm, I'm really too intensely emotional to be subjected to this continuously. I, I couldn't like with the amount of shows that you watch. I don't know if I could do it. I already have so many emotions in my own life. You know when I realized that when I was watching Grey's at your house. And there was like some kid dying in the show, but like not a main character, just like a, a one episode character. And you were like, how do you do this? How do you watch it? I'm like, you're not supposed to be upset by these people. I was like, they're not even the main characters. And I was like, oh, you have no idea how to be emotionally invested in a TV show. I can't do it. Do you know me? Haven't you seen trying to watch a show with me? If it gets to the really intense part, I have to cover my eyes and ask you to tell me when it's over. I know. Should we talk about that? <laughs> no, it's just like, I don't like feeling... I don't like voluntarily feeling pain that isn't stemming from a real place that I have to actually confront, you know? Oh, see, I'm the opposite. (laughs) I specifically will be like, oh my God, I have to watch like The Fall in Our Stars tonight. 
for no reason other than to like purposely make myself cry. Yeah, like see that is something that's that is honestly up there with the last things I would ever do. I will avoid that at all costs. And I actually, you know how the notebook makes me cry more than anything in the entire world. And I haven't watched it since my mom died. And I don't know if I can at this point. Like I I think my experience with the notebook may be over. That's a lot. <laughs> Let's, let's take an ad break. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. So these next few scenes, this is when Chloe's kind of interviewing them on this legitimate video camera. And... The two takeaways from this is when she's talking to Kendall and she asks Kendall, you know, what's going to be different about her life when she's 40. And she says, I would hope that I have kids. I would ideally want a boy and a girl, but I'll take whatever I can get. And then you hear her interview Courtney. And when she asks her what makes her the happiest, she obviously says being a mother. And <laughs> she's saying WAP. It's like one of the radio songs she's into. But I just thought the combination of questions that Chloe was asking was were just funny and telling. When her kids watch that in 10 years and hear her say WAP, they are going to lose it. Lose it. I'm sure Mason already is losing it if he sees this episode. Oh, for sure. So this is when Courtney and Kim are FaceTiming Tristan and they're like, it's your favorite sisters. We're here to annoy you. And they're basically just having this back and forth with him because he really wants Chloe to come to Boston. And I don't know, as protective as these women are over each other and this family is over each other. Tristan must be doing something right in their eyes because the level of dedication that they feel towards him and the extent to which they are in his corner, and I don't mean that like not in Chloe's corner, obviously number one is their commitment to Chloe, but I'm saying it would be very typical to have a situation where you fucked over my sister once and for her sake, I'm going to be okay with you, but I'm not going to get too buddy-buddy because I have to still keep you on a little bit of a, a distance based on what happened. That's not the case here. They are so on board. They are so in in it with him and have forgiven him entirely. And if anything, they're more on board than Chloe is. Yeah, it's interesting because there is a difference, I think, between like 
we are really on great terms with you and you are our brother and we're going to talk to you like that and we're going to FaceTime you out of the blue to talk to you. And then the step up from that, which is, and we're also going to support Chloe moving across the country to live with you. Because I think that it still would have been very normal for them to be on amazing terms with him, but be a little bit protective about letting her do that or wanting her to do that. And instead, they're going as far as to say, like, we really think you should do that. Right. And by the way, we're going to talk to Chloe for you. Right. Like there is clearly 0% hesitation that they feel towards him in terms of trusting him with their sister. Right. That That's kind of what it is. That's what I'm saying. Like he really came a long way, started from the bottom. We're here. Like he came a long way from Kim making the vomit face in the delivery room behind his back to Kim saying, no problem. I'm of course going to talk to Chloe and try to convince her to move to Boston to be with you in the freezing cold and leave California. Right. And I think we've spoken about this before and we've made the point where like they are extremely forgiving, I find, and possibly some may say to a fault. I mean, you've seen it obviously with Scott now where they're saying like, no, get back together with Scott. Like we want you guys together. We want you guys together. And Courtney's the one being like, okay, but maybe not, or maybe like you could step up and protect me over like what he's saying to you. So that dynamic in of itself, when you would, when you explore it across the board is also interesting and plays into this. Yeah. And as we know, I'm sure a lot of that stems from the whole Chris Roberts situation. Yes, definitely. So they're all outside. Chris proposes the idea of the scavenger hunt, which they admittedly created in combination with production. And we don't have to go through every one, but as I was watching them kind of reflect on the past seasons in order to do this and they were flashing back. I was so glad that we have been rewatching because so many of those scenes were so fresh in my mind. Like I don't know if before we rewatched this season, I guess it was one or two, that I would have remembered how big of a deal Kim's first fragrance was. But of course, having just watched that episode relatively recently, I was thinking, oh my God, yeah, that was the first time she did the solo adventure. Like I get why she wants to put that in the time capsule or in this particular um thing when they're doing the scavenger hunt. Like I got why, you know, the stripper pole was mentioned and just shit like that. I have to say it is such a funny phenomenon to know somebody else's life better than they do or remember it better than they do because Kim's like, oh, the the calendar for Reggie. I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You weren't dating Reggie at this point yet. Like you got her, you got them the stripper pole. Like, how do you not remember that? I'm like, this is your life. Why am I remembering this for you? Yes. And wasn't it funny when she says the Reggie calendar and Chloe's like, oh my God, you think everything's about you? Yes. And did you also notice when they were doing the question about like the nude photo shoot and they said, you know, like we did the bathtub one for Chloe's nude photo shoot and and Chloe was like, oh, that bathtub is triggering. Yes. I was so hoping you would bring that up. That That's like not something to get into now. And I'm sure there's a million reasons for that, but like To interview Chloe in-depthly about Lamar is a dream. I know. I think that that is shit that she hasn't even scratched the surface of dealing with yet, honestly. And I think she's, like, attempted to deal with it. It's not like she hasn't dealt with it, I'm saying. But I think there's so, so, so much more there than she's dealt with. Yeah, I completely feel the same way. Anyway, when Chloe is going around interviewing everyone and she's interviewing Scott, you know – it was sweet when she asks who his best friend is and he says, Courtney, even though she's not that nice to me. And she says, is Courtney your girl for life? He goes, I mean, even if we don't ever see eye to eye, we'll always be in each other's lives and we'll always have our kids and we'll always know each other. 
And I really liked when she asks him like what advice he would give to his future self. And he says, and I quote, all the glitz and the glam and the money and the fame and all these things that you think are so cool actually mean really not much. And the real key to life is happiness and you can't buy that. And I know obviously it can sound a little hypocritical, but the reason that I was glad that Scott said that is because I often find that like he gets really caught up in it. I know they all do, but in like a different way with him. In a way, it almost sometimes can come across performative with him kind of. I don't know if you know what I mean. Um, Or like his identity is so tied to luxury. And so I was just glad to hear him say that because it makes me think that he was consciously thinking that. Absolutely. And I think the reason that we feel that way or that that is the case is because all of them have their business ventures. All of them have their things that they're doing. And he is so obviously only in this realm because of being brought into it by the family. I think he would have been successful in his own right. I think he would have maybe had some of the really good connections that he does have now because of, you know, pre the Kardashians. He obviously met, you know, Courtney through a similar group of friends and that would have expanded throughout his life. But I do feel like he thinks he has something to prove in terms of his worthiness, quote unquote, of being in this space and being in this circle. So that's why sometimes it does come off as like much flashier and much more showy than the rest of them. Yes, really great point. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Did you notice also that Chloe says, are you in love? And he says, yeah. Yes. I can't can't do this, Julie. Like, I... (laughs) I have. I just, I, just sat, I just dramatically sat back. In I know. Chair. I was like, "Where'd you go?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next scene, Chloe and Kim are talking. Kim's kind of prepping her for this call that she has with the lawyer, and they're talking about the Tristan element. And like, it was kind of surreal to watch Chloe sit back and listen to Kim and Courtney recount the conversation they just had with Tristan. And like, there was no defensiveness on Chloe's end. If anything. I don't know if you got this vibe. Maybe I was off. Maybe this is just what I thought it was. I felt almost like in a weird way, Chloe was really at peace that that was happening because there's nothing more comforting or there's nothing that would solidify her decision of potentially making the next step with Tristan than like the full, deep rooted, sincere confidence and love from her family. And like to see them pushing it on her to me felt different than it has previously. It almost was like, wow, this is really great that I have this level of approval. Yeah, there was definitely a sense of validation there. It was definitely, you could tell that, you know, obviously when Chloe's talking about her hesitation and moving there, it has so much to do with uprooting her life and True's life and the disruption of everything going on. It's not like she's saying, I'm unsure about Tristan still. I don't know if I want to live with him. I don't know if I want that. But there's always going to be that underlying sense there or that underlying feeling. It's not what she was specifically talking about. So I think for them to come through and say, like, you have our 100% support. Not only do we know that Tristan wants you to go there, we also both feel great about you doing that. And we are going to validate the fact that if you are ready to jump in full force and do what you think you want to do, like you, we have your back. And not only are we supporting you, we are also in agreement with you. And that is a huge, huge thing for Chloe. Right. And it's like, we can very much hear your concerns and they are valid and we're not taking away from that, but we just want you to know nobody's going to think you're crazy if you do that because it all comes down to what we always say. Chloe's biggest issue right now is that she doesn't fully trust her own judgment based on how many times she's been burned in the past. And so I think that specifically to have Kim, whose judgment she trusts maybe the most of anyone, be so on board is like, 
the biggest compliment. Yeah, absolutely. When they do the secret Santa, I just think the thing worth mentioning here is when Corey gets Courtney the necklace that says love and Scott says, and it pertains to the show because the show has had a lot of love in it. And Corey goes, I imagine all the future you're going to give Scott Disick. And Courtney's eyes bug out. And I wonder if that was because the kids were there. 100%. Right? No question, 100%. Yeah. I, I thought it was as well, but I thought she would have maybe said it in her confessional. She – well, it's like Rain is physically sitting on her lap and then all of the other kids were around. And I think from Corey's point of view, they had already had that conversation in terms of like there was already a huge dinner scene where – you know, they had spoken about them getting back together. And Scott had made that whole point of like, Courtney knows that one day we're going to settle down and we're going to live a good life together. Like, and I think from Corey's point of view and from the audience's point of view, like that conversation had already happened. So the idea of that being brought up isn't what upset Courtney. Courtney couldn't believe that he would have said something in front of the kids to give them any sort of like false hope or false idea I like anything that their parents were going to get back together even if it was just a comment made in passing the fact that they could have picked up on that and thought more of it than what was said I think was mortifying for Courtney and she couldn't believe that it was even like a thing that was happening I completely agree I just was surprised that it wasn't more of a point like Maybe it's because it was the second to last episode. They didn't have the time for it. But I feel like if that happened in episode four, that would have been a confessional where she was like, I was so upset when Corey said that because exactly what you just said, you know, da 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 da. And just really explaining how she's approaching this with her kids. Maybe she didn't want to go there and maybe they didn't have the time to. And her reaction was evident enough of what she was feeling. But like, couldn't you have seen in a previous episode that being a full 10 minutes? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think like Corey is so well intentioned and he obviously loves them and communicates a very similar sentiment as the rest of the family. I think that in that particular moment, it just comes down to the fact that he doesn't have kids. And you know, that's just something that you maybe aren't as conscious of when you don't have kids of your own. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to mention or should we get into the last scene? No, let's get into the last scene. So Kim, Chloe, and Courtney are sitting on the bed. I love when it's the three of them, by the way. It is such just like OG vibes. Yep. Same. I love it. And so Courtney says, and I quote, So, you know, Scott and I have had so many private conversations over the years about what I would need in order to even like think about getting back together. He hasn't done it, but I feel like how he talks to other people, like he'll say, it's because of me. And then I feel like when he has conversations with you guys, everyone's talking about like, oh, you guys should get married. And I'm like, does everyone just believe every word that he's saying? And then it all gets put on me. And Kim's reaction is like, well, I also think that that's a burden that you're feeling. And Courtney's saying like, no, it's just that Scott's saying it. And then he's saying that the whole family is supporting it. And, you know, we just need to get Courtney on board. And she's like, it's not that. And then Kim kind of comes at her relatively aggressively saying, but are you okay living your life like this? Seriously, I need an answer. And Courtney tries to interject. And Kim is like, no, how long is this going to be? Seriously, I'm impatient now. What's happening? And it ends with the to be continued, but you see that they're on different pages here. This was weird, no? It was fucking bizarre. I'm very confused as to what Kim was getting so aggressively annoyed about unless the Travis conversation had already been starting to happen. And at this point, it was a matter of choosing. And that's why Kim is getting upset rather than just like Courtney not confronting her feelings or explaining herself correctly. Well, I think the very underlying like ground level thing we have to just acknowledge is it's the same thing with the cookies. Like 
whatever reaction Kim would have had normally was like seriously exacerbated based on her own frustration, specifically her own relationship frustration. So like she's been in so much limbo that I think even the idea of limbo is maddening to her, you know? So like there was that element that can't be ignored, a little bit of projection. But I just think that Kim is not the type of person that would even be a little bit down with the situation that Courtney has going on here. Like Kim likes to make decisions and what appears to Kim as such a level of indecisiveness, I think is infuriating, right or wrong. I mean, it's not her life. Probably she should have handled that a little bit differently. Also they're sisters and they know how to handle it. So who are we to critique? But like, yeah, to me as the viewer, I was like, Courtney seems like she's really just needing a moment to talk. Why is this like an attack? Yeah, for me, it was just more confusing than anything else because I really didn't understand what Kim was getting at here because it's not like, you know, had there been some scene where Scott was saying like, I need an answer. I need it right now. Like I need her to tell me she will not give me an answer. Like then I could understand Kim getting vicariously upset because she's protective of Scott and just wants him to be able to be happy and feels like Courtney's maybe standing in the way of that. Not by not taking him back, just by not giving him an answer. From what we observed, that really wasn't what was happening. So for Kim to get really upset in this moment during what started as such like a calm conversation and Courtney explaining herself, it's not like I was critiquing the way she handled it or I was like upset that Kim would have gotten upset. I was just flat out confused. Yeah, I I know. You're right. I I was confused as well, especially because Chloe was relatively silent. Right. Here's the thing that I will say, and I hope that if we don't get it in the next episode, we get it during the Andy special. And I, I know that we've spoken about this on the podcast before. There's still that missing piece of it. That's like, how did we go from both of them saying like they want to make it work? Like, or they're trying to make it work or they're having conversations or there's things Scott needs to do to like just completely abandoning that. Because it does feel a little uncomfortable to me to think about Courtney being in a relationship. And obviously I'm not saying that like, there's issues in their relationship as a result of anything. It seems like, you know, the Scott issue is not even a minorly present in Travis and Courtney's relationship. But how do you go from on television saying like, that is the dream to end up with the father of my child. Like I need him to do specific things. And if he does those things, then we can have that conversation about getting back together to like, I'm in a relationship and I no longer want anything to do with that idea. I don't know. It's a really good question. I think that some of it comes from the fact that, you know, if if you had to put it on one of them, she would be the one that's feeling more pressured. And even though she was willing to make it work, it did feel evident. So like, I think total hypothetical, right? Like this isn't actual, but just for purposes of conversation, let's say that Travis brought that scene up with her and Chris, this would never happen, but let's just say that he did and said, you know, you said that it would be the dream to be with Scott. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I think a totally normal like response is like, yeah. And in my mind that would have been, and on a certain level, of course I would want for my kid's sake for me to end up with the father of their children. However, I didn't know what the dream was because I wasn't introduced to this and kind of like, she didn't have anything to compare it to. She didn't know a love that was greater than Scott. You know what I'm saying by that? I so, so know what you mean. It- For me, it's not that I don't understand how they could be in a relationship having had that conversation. I mean, if anything, I really can't understand how Scott and Amelia could be in a relationship after seeing the way Scott is towards Courtney a couple of months prior to them starting their relationship. I just really want that missing piece of when Courtney says like, 
okay, I'm abandoning the idea of us being together as us as in, you know, Courtney and Scott, because it does seem like that was a conversation that was happening and something that maybe Scott had the expectation of to like, I've abandoned that idea completely. And I'm now not just dating. I'm now in a relationship with somebody that I had previously been friends with for so long that I'm willing to give them a shot and not willing to give this a shot. I don't know. <laughs> it's not easy. I really think it takes a lot of fucking therapy. I'm I've just the dynamics there are so so beyond interesting to me. Like that is all I want in the entire world is those answers and that gap just completely filled in. We need it. It's like it's it's too important to not have. Just not to be dramatic, but it just is. That's just the facts. I mean, I can't, I can't believe we're going to pick right now to like make the clarification of not to be dramatic because I've been literally <laughs> like pouring my heart out for the past 10 minutes about my confusion. But yeah, I guess not to be dramatic. I, I don't, you know, fuck it. Let us just be dramatic. Who gives a shit, right? Like the thing is with Kim and Kanye, it's like, yes, I want that information. I want what went down. But like, I know what went down. You know what I mean? Like we kind of saw mm-hmm. it a little, you can completely fill in the blanks there. You can, you know, use your own imagination as to what really happened. The blanks here are so, 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 so fucking blank that I can't make it up. I can't figure it out exactly what went down. I know. It's so crazy how the one that we get so much more insight on is actually the one that we are more confused about when it comes down to it. I guess what I'm trying to say is it actually does kind of go to show how much of an understanding the public has of Kanye or of Kim and Kanye's relationship in a way that you wouldn't think you would based on the privacy. And like, if somebody was just looking at this and knew nothing about the situation, somebody said, okay, which one is going to be more confusing? They'd be like, oh, the one where the husband is never on camera. Right. Of course. Right. I think that going back to the point that I was making earlier, just comparing it to a TV show. I think the reason that I'm having a hard time with it ending is because I'm so used to shows that have a, you know, set series finale wrapping up with such a neat bow as in like all of the characters get their ending story and they get their character arc and they get, you know, their happy ending. And like, you're so used to that happening in a regular TV show where there's a set series ending, there's multiple seasons as there are in this 20 seasons, you would presume that every single character that you're watching, you know, ties off so nicely that you never have to worry about like, well, what happened there? With this, the show is ending at a point where you're like, okay, but what happened? And I think we're very, very unused to that being the case. Yes. Even me, who's not a regular TV watcher, understands and appreciates the whole tied nicely in a bow. And so the fact that we don't know if we're getting a tied nicely in a bow and then like Scott has pink hair in Miami, it's not looking so hot, you know? Yeah, like it's not. Yeah. Oh, guys, I can't believe like that it just so happened that our break lined up with the last episode. Like like we said on Monday's episode, even though we are technically off next week, we're going to come on and do like some sort of an episode just because we can't. Like we can't. I know it's, it's nothing to do with like what we're technically allowed to do, but I just do not think we can have a podcast that is literally called a Kardashian bonus show and then it'd be the fucking finale of the entire season and not just come on and talk about it for a little bit. That would not be right. That would like, that would really be wrong. Don't you think? That would be wrong. That would be wrong. So don't worry. We are literally on vacation, but we are going to do that because it's just the fucking right thing to do. And I wouldn't want to not do that. Right. Um, anything else you'd like to mention? I think that's it, kid. 
I think so too. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. I don't know exactly when. I mean, hopefully it'll be Thursday, 9.05, but just depending on the schedule, it could be Friday. And that is all. We love you so much. Aside from that, we'll see you back for the regular episode a week from this coming Monday. Thank you guys for listening and the best. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.